0: This year, don't just listen to the reports, live the reports. Join Western Outdoor News on a one charter in 2023 aboard the best boats in the business like the Toronado, Island Spirit, Black Pearl, Fury, El Dorado, Ranger 85, and much, much more. Every one charter features a Western Outdoor News reporter and photographer, jackpot prizes, and supply packs filled with sponsor giveaways for every angler. Check out wonews.com charters and come fishing with Western Western Outdoor News. Winter Yellowtail finally showing up. Salmon season sadness and an IGFA record that has recently been accepted. This and more on Western Outdoor News. This is Western Outdoor News. Welcome back to Western Outdoor News. Today, we talk with Kesley Gallagher about her IGFA record, California halibut she caught in Baja, and the interesting story surrounding the catch.
1: So I cast at it, spooked it, and it ran off. I thought, well, I blew that shot. But the fish came back, I cast at it again, and it came from two feet away, gobbled it up, and we were on.
0: But first, let's get into today's top stories. This week's issue of Western Outdoor News starts with some good news for anglers and some not so good news for anglers. So which one do you want first? Let's start with the good news. Okay, Between the nasty weather, San Diego's offshore boats are starting to finally see some yellowtail off the Coronado Islands, giving anglers their first shot at winter yellowtail. For more on this and to see the photos, check out the March 17th issue of Western Outdoor News. We're happy to finally see those yellowtails showing up. Now for some bad news, salmon. Salmon you guys might have heard this uh, some chatter out there but it isn't looking good for the 2023 California salmon season at the Pacific Fisheries Management Council the first week of March it was revealed the drought and water management had done their deed bringing in in river salmon counts so low it appears there's no possibility of any salmon fishing for the entire state in 2023 the most significant part of the public comment was That all commercial and party boat fishermen advocated for a complete closure in 2023 with George Bradshaw, president of the Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen's Associations, saying, unfortunately, we have gotten to the point that we have been warning has been coming. Another collapse of our iconic salmon fisheries. Our organization is asking federal and state managers to take the required steps to ensure the survival of the resource and close the fishery. For more information on this story and updates throughout the year, you can count on Western Outdoor News to have the latest information. Of course, this is uh, a giant shock to the West Coast here, and well, I shouldn't sh- say a shock. I guess some people uh, could say that they've seen this coming, but uh, it's a shock that it's finally here and it's happening. That this year's salmon fishery appears to be closed. The common thread that we're seeing here across all of our reports is that it j- it seems to be a management problem. It seems to be. Uh, a government issue. It seems to be that there's a lot of political parties having a play in this that's directly a fishing uh, a f- a fishing, affecting a uh, an iconic fishery here on the west coast. And um, you know as uh, as conservationists on the west coast here, we are trying to do our best to ensure, that the salmon are here to stay. So how do you feel about this? Please let us know. Send us an email, podcast at wonews.com, and share your opinion. Let us know what you think of the, uh, the salmon closure in 2023. So for now, let's get back to some good news. Kesley Gallagher was on a trip down in Baja's, Ma- Baja's Magdalena Bay last November, and it resulted in an unlikely halibut catch on a fly rod that has recently been accepted as an official IGFA world record. So let's hear the whole story from Kessley.
1: Uh, my husband and I had to Magdalena Bay last November. It was actually to go for striped marlin on fly. So he's a big fly fisher, striped marlin, all kinds of marlin, uh, billfish around the world. And I'm actually a local angler, um, but I do fish the salt quite a bit. So he and I went down there just to target striped marlin, roosterfish, and potentially get a grand slam uh, in the inshore in the mangroves, you know, for golden trevally, et cetera. So it was too windy offshore. And so we had to change our plans. We couldn't chase striped marlin and we couldn't chase the roosterfish down south. So, we went into the mangroves to potentially get a grand slam there. Well, we were not doing well. And our guide said to us, Well, you know, I know this really nice halibut beach. Why don't we try there? Now, mind you, the wind was howling and it was pushing the boat off the mangroves. So, it was getting very hard to cast with our fly rods. So, we thought, Well, okay, yeah, we're into this, but I hope that, you know, there's somehow protected. He said, Absolutely, that beach is protected. Well, we got there. And it wasn't exactly protected. So the boat was being pushed by the wind way offshore. We couldn't get the right drift. So the fly was not sinking to the bottom. We decided, we asked him, do you think we could walk the beach? Now, my husband and I have a lot of experience walking the beach here in Southern California for Corbina. And it's something that I pursue heavily in the summer. So we were walking the beach like we would for Corbina, just looking into the water, sight fishing with a fly rod. And all of a sudden I saw... I saw bait scattering and I thought that's got to be a halibut and lo and behold there it was it was a pretty big one and I was already set up I had my 12 pound tippet on I had my uh, my tail clouser on and I knew with the olive over white that it was going to take it so I cast at it spooked it and it ran off I thought well I blew that shot but the fish came back I cast at it again and it came from two feet away gobbled it up and we were on. And you know, it wasn't a long fight. It ran a few times, but you know, I brought it in. And by that time, my husband was running down the beach, and we knew we had a record because this fish was big. Um, It was when we weighed it; it was over six pounds, about six and a half, and that was going to set the new IGFA twelve-pound tippet record on fly for a woman. Um, So it was a it was a great catch. The beach itself, clear blue water, and it was around like two p.m. Now in SoCal. I'm usually fishing for halibut at dawn, and you can't really see through the water here. But there, you would think I'd be targeting bonefish or or something to that effect, but not California halibut.
0: Wow! So let's let's actually re- rewind a little bit to the moment of the catch. So you're talking olive over white for the for your lure colors. Was that matching the uh, the bait fish in the area?
1: Well, actually, no. Um, olive over white in a size two clouser. Is actually something i use frequently here in southern california for halibut now when i fish for halibut up here i target you know pockets um on the beach you know deep pockets where the waves are rolling over them because it will usually hold halibut and i've just known that that fly works and even though we weren't in a deep hole it was just a a small trough on the beach the water was perfectly clear and it was you know midday basically the fish still came at it. So they're voracious eaters. And I had never seen a, a halibut take a fly before. <laughs> wow. I learned I learned quite a bit.
0: Yeah. So talk to me about that that retrieve. Uh, for somebody who's never done that, is that Is that a quick retrieve? I mean, you're talking windy conditions, and it's probably pretty rough out there. What what kind of a retrieve are we looking at? Looking like?
1: Well, when the because in sight fishing, I've done a lot of sight fishing. um, You know, in the Florida Everglades for tarpon, you know, permit, bonefish, you name it. So I know that I have to get that fly in front of the fish, and you can't go across the fish because if you bring a fly at a fish, it'll look like the bait's chasing it, and it'll spook. Which has probably happened that first retrieve. So I put the fly in front of it at a 45 degree angle. So the, when I started retrieving it, it looked like it was running away from the fish and it automatically went to chase mode and then grabbed the fly.
0: Wow. That, that triggers that response. That's, that's a good insight right there. Yeah. 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 So, so tell me, you have this fish on shore and we have the picture in this week's issue of Western Outdoor News, but when that fish is on shore and, and you realized, uh, wow, this could be an IGFA record, what were your next steps?
1: Well, the first thing you do is you weigh the fish. Am I in, you know, am I in the ballpark? And yeah, I I knew because I'm the one setting records on California halibut for women for fly fishing. It's a niche area. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that I had to have something or a fish over six pounds and we hit it. I always carry a boga grip with me. I'm always, I always, my mantra is luck favors the prepared. So when I go to any area, I'm researching the fish, I'm researching the records. I'm like, what is possible? And I carry that IGFA tippet and the boga, um, so I was ready. We weighed the fish, and then you know, oh, we got it. So you take out the measuring tape, you take photos of the length of the fish, the width of the fish, and that. What's most important is take a picture of the fish and the angler. So those are the photos you'll see in this next week's issue, I guess.
0: Yeah. So so you're out there pursuing these uh, these records. And this is actually your 17th IGFA record. Can you tell me about some of those other uh, records that you
1: got? Yeah, sure. One of the more interesting ones uh, was a 14-pound common carp I got in the Los Angeles River. So that was my third world record for carp in the LA River. And 14 pounds is massive um, for the river. And we just happened to get it. Uh, Lino Giubliato and I were fishing this one area in Long Beach where we knew that it was collecting larger carp. And um, so we were fly fishing for them. The bobber, we were using a bobber, uh, like a fly under an indicator, so to speak. Went down, I set the hook, and then all of a sudden the fish took off. And I knew it was big because my drag on my, my fly reel was not doing anything. Um, so I tried to keep it out of a shopping cart,
0: <laughs> got oh, no. it out
1: the shopping cart.
0: That's the LA uh, river for you.
1: <laughs> it is totally. And, um, finally we got it to shore. It took me like, like five minutes and, you know, delicate. Cause I, I knew I had like, I think it was 12 pound tippet on again. And I knew it was going to be delicate because it could get caught up in any type of trash or rocks or whatever, and then slice it. So we were very delicate. We landed the fish with a net. And we took the photographs and behind me in the photograph with this 14 pound carp is a shopping cart. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so IGFA called me from Florida and they said, you didn't catch this fish in the L.A. River. And I said, yes, I did. Do you see the shopping cart behind me? He said, oh, my <laughs> God, you did. <laughs> so it was it was one of my more classic records here in L.A., um. Yeah, I'm
0: sure there's another category for biggest catch, uh, <laughs> dodging a shopping cart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So, so talking about West coast, uh, saltwater fly fishing, can you give people some beginner tips if they've never done it before? What kind of gear should people be looking at? You touched on it a little bit, but for beginners, yeah. uh, saltwater on the West coast here, what are, what are we looking at?
1: Well, for me, um, I'll just start with some background. I was always fly fishing up in the Owens River Valley, you know, take that five hour drive from Orange County and fish for trout. And I thought, why am I doing this? There's this bright blue orange body of water. I'm sorry, bright blue uh, body of water to the south of me and to the west of me. Why am I not taking advantage of it? So I made friends with uh, some guys at the Long Beach Casting Club and they took me to the beach and they taught me how they fish the beach. And then Long Beach Harbor, you have a lot of, um, water that holds corbina and halibut and yellowfin croaker. So we were using actually floating lines with an intermediate sink tip. So it would, the fly would hover. So we were using flies that look like any bonefish fly or even, uh, you know, my olive over white clouser. So anywhere from a size six to a size two. And I would, I was out there every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning, you know, just casting for fish, getting a 70, 70 to 80 foot cast over the water. So I would say for any, any beginner who's beginning for saltwater fly fishing, you, one, you have to get a cast to make friends, make, you know, make friends, go with people who can teach you the ropes and then do it, you know, just get out there. Don't, you know, it's, it took a long time for me to get comfortable in the water um, I teach this uh, for women and for other, you know, other club members. Um, and, but another aspect of saltwater fly fishing is also fly fishing the surf. And you, for fly fishing the surf, you need waders in the winter. You're going to need a sinking line, like in a size, like a six weight or higher. We'd say six weight to an eight weight rod um, with an anodized reel. So the salt won't corrode it and you'll be fly fishing for a surf perch and here in I now live in Ventura County. Up here, there's a lot more surf perch, so you get rewarded a lot faster. But again, you still need that seventy foot cast. You need to be able to read the water. And again, I just encourage people, make friends with a fly fishing club, find the people who fly fish the surf and get out there.
0: So I mean this this original story of going down to Baja, we talked about the high winds. And especially with the West Coast across the past couple of weeks, seeing high winds and adverse weather. What do you tell people about uh, fly fishing in the wind? Is it just a no-go or is there still some opportunity out there?
1: There's always opportunity. Um, You know, as an angler, I think we're all serial optimists, like it's the next cast. And for me, it's just finding that cove that's protected from the wind or fishing by a jetty that's protected from the wind. You know, I took spent a lot of time, like I said, in the Everglades, on the flats, fly fishing for tarpon. And one of those things that I had to really drill in my head is how to cast in, you know, a, a 20 mile per hour headwind, you know, coming right at me and getting that cast to that tarpon. Mm-hmm. So for the West Coast, and even when you are on a boat, um, like if you're going, you know, fly fishing for calico bass or yellowtail, if you have to cast into the wind figure out how you can use the wind to your advantage. Like you can do a 45 degree angle. Um, if you're a, if you're having a wind that's going from left to right in your right-handed caster, that's actually in your favor because the wind is going to push the line away from you and you can use that momentum to punch it through the wind. Wow. So they're yeah. just, there are different ways you can you can maneuver yourself in the wind. Now, if the wind's coming right at you, on the onto the beach and the surf is just pounding, I would say, you know, try again another day or find another beach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are good tips. And and that really goes to show that, you know, it's, there's no such thing as kind of no opportunity out, out no. there. There's always something to be had. Um, yeah. Speaking of opportunity, uh, sounds like you have an upcoming trip to uh, fly fishing Mecca Pyramid Lake. Yes. Um, Tell me, first of all, how excited are you?
1: (laughs) Well, very excited. I was up there for my birthday in late January and we were actually caught in the snow, high winds, you know, perfect, perfect time for fly fishing the lake uh, for those big uh, Lahontan trout. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the worse the weather, the happier they are and the happier you're going to be (laughs)
0: because you're catching instead of just
1: sitting freezing. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah no i'm very excited we're going to spend um probably you know five fishing for about five days we're going to bring our ladders do it yourself and it's right by their breeding cycle so we know that the fish the bigger fish are going to be coming in to breed so it's there's a lot of opportunity coming up and it's a new moon yeah
0: oh excellent okay so so you think the new moon is going to have a positive impact
1: yeah it's it's the latest rumor, like get around the new moon, because uh, it's dark. I mean, we know as as saltwater anglers, you always target the new moons, especially for inshore fishing, safer permit. Um, but so that has bled into the you know, the fishing culture at Pyramid Lake. It's, you know, new moon in March is what you target. It.
0: Okay. All right, excellent. Yeah. Okay, so hey, are you are you targeting any uh, IGFA records on your next pyramid trip?
1: I always am. Um I got to the last time I was there. So I'm hoping to round it out. I'm not going to say what, but yes, always.
0: Always on the prowl. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, any other any other stories from those 17 uh, s- those 17 IGFA records? Any other stories that pop out in your head?
1: Um well there gosh, no. I, oh yes, there is one. And again it, it involves a carp. So I was pursuing anything and it was August. So a friend of mine said, hey, you know, we've got big grass carp here out in Phoenix. I said, well, what do you mean? Do you want me to fly out there in August? He said, sure. So I went there and we went to some, as they would say, corporate ponds in between the office buildings. And they use grass carp to eat up all the algae. (laughs) And, you know, there must have been like this giant grass carp just milling in this really hot water. And he, we were using olive flies because the, I guess it's you call it the olive hatch. So they were falling off of trees into the water. So this fish was just sitting there under the water, un, uh, under the tree, gobbling up olives. And he just made a quick cast in right in front of the fish, and the fish saw it. But it was so hot, this fish couldn't move real fast. So we sat there for like what must have been what I felt was five minutes watching this fish try to take the olive. Oh my and gosh. It, got, it opened its mouth and it's like a baleen whale just coming slowly inch by inch to this olive. And my <sighs> friends yelling, yelling at me, don't set, don't set. I'm like, God, I can't wait to set the hook. So I finally, finally it ate the damn olive and I set the hook and it just turned over and went, oh, you know, because it was so hot it couldn't fight.
0: Oh yeah, exhausted we, before the fight <laughs> even took place. <laughs>
1: so we we set a record and actually the fish lived through all the trauma of the 105 degree heat but um that was one of more memorable records i mean every record is memorable um but there's just sometimes it gets to be unusual
0: wow okay yeah so i mean that's that's a great lesson uh lesson to be learned there across all these (laughs) records i'm sure um again that that's the story that we began with in magdalena bay that uh-huh. was uh that was a six and a half pound uh halibut that you caught right so yeah that's that's one great story now we're looking forward to your next great story at pyramid lake i can't wait to hear your next record thank you this is western outdoor news